You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Okay, so um, here we are. Here we are. However many weeks later. Um, Christmas. We put it out right before Christmas. Yeah. So right. Was so it right before? Yeah, it was right before. It's really just to two or on and Christmas. Some cheers weeks. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, I remember Kevin being like, "It's a Christmas miracle." <laughs> so I think I might have put it out like on Christmas yeah. or right by it. You know us. We're busy. Stuff is. A lot. Has anything been happening? No. God. There's a new year. It didn't feel like a new year. Yeah. Everything's still awful. Honestly, gotta say, kind of nice of doing literally nothing for New Year's and pretending that New Year's doesn't exist because it is my least favorite holiday. I just want a reason to put on a sparkly dress and drink a whole bottle of champagne to my face. That's fair. And I will do that with you literally any okay. day. Anyways. I just watched dogs and put a bottle of champagne to my face. Yeah. And a beer. Because I was like, oh, I opened this bottle at 8.30 because I thought it was 9.30. And I watched. You want to know what I watched? Some fucking Christmas reality-like love TV show. First of all, that seems like... That's the center of your fucking <laughs> Venn diagram. Oh my god. A Christmas love reality TV show. If yep. they weren't, if they were baking, then you would be in real goddamn trouble. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. So, and then, do we, oh, we didn't talk about, so Martha and I watched all of Hawkeye, <gasps> essentially on the plane ride home. Yes. To Massachusetts for, for the holidays. I have strong feelings about it. Yes. I, so, Fractions, it's on my list to do. Like, Fractions Hawkeye run is so mm-hmm. fucking good. Um, and that's what the Hawkeye show is based off of. But we were on the airplane and our seats, we had to spend extra money to get these seats so yes. that we could sit together on the flight home that we didn't take home together. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with our seats, since they were like upgraded, we got free beverages. Beverages. Um, so we're like watching Hawkeye. Drinking. Four champagne bottles deep. The little ones. <laughs> Yes, I didn't do a great job. Martha didn't do a great job. It's okay. And yeah. uh, I just crying I, on the plane by the end of it. Yes. Both of us. Yeah. And making the lady next to us move 18 times because we both had to pee like, multiple I'm times. I'm sorry I drank so many champagne <laughs> Literally one time I walked, I leaned in, I was like, sorry, we drank a little too much. And there's two of us. And neither of us have to pee at the same time. Yeah. So... Which would have been smart and good, but like it was like, oh nope, I broke the seal, and now I have yeah. regrets about my entire life. Yep. And I tried to hang out longer, but I only hung out longer by like a half hour, and then it just made <laughs> this lady have to get up twice as much <laughs> instead of us just going together. <laughs> we were a little bit drunk. We weren't thinking properly. Drunk and emotional. Yeah. Hawkeye is great. Yeah, it was really, really great. Yeah. It was really good. I had a lot of thoughts about it. Yep. Martha and I also finally watched the last two episodes of What If. Yes. Somehow we don't understand how Steve Rogers keeps ending up falling into hot relationships with more than one person. 
God damn it, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. I also shipped that Nat and Peggy. Of course. And then Steve fell right into the middle of They're it. They're like, hi, would you like mostly lesbian stuff with with the side of Steve? You with like, the side? Really? What I'm more do like, you want? Actually, yes. Yes, my, I do want that. My ideal. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Martha and I went out for uh, dinner slash drinks already. Yes. So. This is gonna be an episode. We've we've already had some struggles. Okay, okay, we're on episode sixty-five. We're on episode sixty-five, which is fucking bonkers. But at the same time, it took us we just like eight months to fucking get to fifteen episodes. Well, we work. Yeah, and you're not paying us. We work. We travel. We've done some a little bit of traveling recently. We did a lot of traveling when there was seventy fucking weddings. <sighs> Martha and I were eating a pizza today, <laughs> and both of us dropped the shrimp off a of pizza, and both of us made the same no noise at the same exact time. Exactly the same pitch. Like, exactly was, the same we, time. The, the shrimp fell off our pizza at the same exact time, and we, we both said same, it at the same no. time. Yeah. It was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny that they both fell off at exactly <laughs> the same time, though. Okay. So, episode 65. Yes. You were going first. first. I'll be going first. I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clank. Your hair almost went straight into your shirt. Did you see me be like, uh, I was like, don't laugh. Let us get it out first and then call her out on it. Also, how many times has my hair gone straight into somebody's drink? Yup. My drink. Mm -hmm. All right. Today, I'm going to talk about. Not Yelena. <laughs> Sidebar, I almost <laughs> talked about Yelena Belova again, because I have zero recollection of the fact that I've already talked about her, and if it wasn't for our weekly art, I would uh, not have remembered I already <laughs> talked about her. So, not about Yelena Belova, because I caught myself today before I started legit writing about her. <laughs> One day... I'm going to talk about Captain Cold. Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. Yeah. I love Captain Cold. Yes. All right. Sources. Wikipedia. Fandom. TC. Comic Vine. And this thing called Wiki Wand. (laughs) Get it out. (laughs) No. (laughs) Wiki Wand. Wiki Wand. Wiki Wiki Wand. Wiki Wiki Wand. Yeah, that's how. That's where my brain went. Cold. So, Leonard Snart, yes, aka Captain Cold. Snart is such a good know. last name. Such a good name. He's a supervillain appearing in DC Comics. He is the leader of the Rogues and a, which is a loose criminal association, mm-hmm. as well as the older brother of Golden Glider. Right. Oh my God, I forgot they were related. Yeah. He's adversary of various superheroes, all known as the Flash, the many different Flashes that there are, but the main arch nemesis, arch, arch nemesis of Barry, <laughs> Barry Allen, and a little bit of Wally West. Yeah. The rogues are... S- all the Flash's rogues are great. <laughs> They're just, like, fun. 
but not horrifying. Yep. Which a lot of DC's villains tip into horrifying yeah. very quickly. It's true. Yep. And not in like a fun no. like horror movie way, but in like a oh no, I've been watching too much true crime way. Leonard Snart. Leonard or Len Snart. Right. Or Lenny sometimes, I guess. Ugh. Lenny with a Y or an I. I don't know. An IE with a heart over the I eye. I was going to say, that would be the, the um, CW's flash for him. Smart. I love him so much. Oh, God. I love him so much. He's so hot. He's so hot, and he's so great. He He's so great. He's gay. He's super gay. Okay, so anyways, obviously mostly known as Captain Cold, but he was also at some point called Citizen Cold, <laughs> Kid Cold with a K, and the man Kid who mastered absolute zero. Oh, hold up. Hold up. The man who mastered absolute zero. First of all, I would make that into an abbreviation so quick. It's just M-W-M-A-Z. Mwamas. Yeah. Or mommies. <laughs> Mamas. <laughs> Absolute zero? Okay, fuck off. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. I would spend... I would have to give up my actual career as whatever the Flash is in his day life, depending on which Flash we're talking about, <laughs> to spend time making fun of him. It's true. Holy it's true. shit. You good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he was created by John Broom and Carmen Infantino. Yes. Uh, making his first comic book appearance in June of 1957 oh, on the pages fuck. of Showcase number eight. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. He's an old boy. Old boy. He's on our fridge. He's one of our boyfriends. He is one of our boyfriends on our fridge. <laughs> yep. You get no context clues for that, everyone. No, you don't. That's the end of that. <laughs> um, he has since been in 852 issues. Holy shit. Then the official DC website lists cold powers as cryogenic ability, but he just has a fun gun that freezes things. Yeah. It's like cryokinesis, but you do have it through your weapon stuff, which is pretty sick. Yeah. So here's a little backstory for good old Lenny. Knee. With a heart. With a heart. Len. Um, Leonard Snart. <laughs> he grew up with an abusive and drunk father. With a heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's inappropriate laughter over his abusive and his drunk father. His fucking abusive drunk father. Mm-hmm. Like every person in DC know, and seriously. also Marvel. So... Uh, through his beatings, Len- Leonard's father taught him the um, that emotions are weakness, mm. and that a cold heart would take him further in life. Fair Leonard's way. grandfather protected him and whisked him away in his ice cream truck, and it was the cold that was one of the only places that Leonard ever felt safe, which oh. is where his love for the cold came from. That makes me so sad. <laughs> oh my god. So when he was older, he did eventually run away, and then that's when he started his life of crime, and he was eventually caught caught the eye of the Flash, and the Flash put him in jail. Imagine, 
that like your hardened criminal buddies are like, so what did you run away from? And you're like, my life with my grandfather in an ice cream truck. And they're like, hole up. <laughs> Excuse me? That sounds fucking baller. Why would you run away from that? Because his drunk father beat him. Oh, I didn't realize his drunk father was still in the picture. Yeah. His only escape was going with his grandfather in his ice cream truck, but oh, he was still technically owned he's by still his living yeah. with his father. His, okay, yeah. okay. I thought he was I thought he went no. off to live with his ice cream truck grandfather. No. I think <laughs> that so. makes him sound like a transformer also. <laughs> Leonard Snart, more than meets the eye. <laughs> he is the master of absolute zero, Martha. <laughs> if we could transform into a fucking ice cream truck, that would be super cool. <laughs> Shit. Alright, I'm done. That's where the story ends. He becomes an ice cream truck. To be a stupid pun, but here we are. <laughs> Fuck, okay. He's in jail. The Flash puts him in jail. That <laughs> happened. Sorry, I'm we now, jumped from you are an ice cream truck <laughs> to now you're in jail. Man, life sucks now. <laughs> He's in jail. The reality of DC Comics sucks. <laughs> uh, Our rewrite is way better. Way, yes, 100%. Now this is where he basically becomes obsessed with the flash shocking i mean yep it's fine and um, <laughs> he wants to find a way to defeat the flash so he researches an article that theorizes the emissions of a cyclotron comics it sounds like another transformer and i'm sure say. it is it we're i'm actually talking about transformers yeah um, but apparently this Cyclotron could interfere. is clearly a... The Decepticon? Yeah! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, he ends up um, stealing a Cyclotron. <laughs> I don't know how, because he was in jail, but apparently he got out. <laughs> and he ends up making it, he constructs a gun. It shoots ice to reduce temperatures to absolute zero, which is his other moniker. But this is where he starts calling himself Captain Cold. I don't know where the other one came from. Yes. So most of his crimes terrible newspaper. Probably most of his crimes are actually in the attempt to win the heart of a lady. But um, yep, uh, yep. I want to say gay, but I know that's not true. <laughs> that's not how it is. Hetero is what I mean. <laughs> yep. Um, but I mean it in a derisive way. But he would also Derisive. team up with Heatwave or his sister, Lisa Snart, who is the Golden Glider. I love her. Snart. She's cute as shit. Mm-hmm. She's a cutie. She's a little cute button. Mm-hmm. She should team up with Gold Star. They would have a really cool team. They'd be all gold and shit. It would be so cute. <laughs> and uh, So, you know what I was talking about at the bar earlier when I was like, sometimes I just ship characters who have never met each other. That just happened, didn't it? Bam. <laughs> so, Cold, he learned about this place called Picture News, 
they're planning to have a charity event and raise $100,000, which remember, this is probably like 1960s. So $100,000 is a lot more than it was yeah, worth yeah. now. Um, so he breaks it out of jail because he wants to go steal it. It's like, well, I've got nothing better to do. And also, jail is boring. It's true. But unfortunately, the trickster had done the same exact thing as him. Oh, my God. Um, so What a copycat yeah, bitch. Fucking trickster. So he, they end up competing for the money, and then they end up deciding to join forces. Fair enough. Because they end up being not uh, pursued by not only one Flash, but two Flashes, because Jay Garrett had briefly, briefly come out of retirement. Oh. So they're like, oh, shit, God I guess. Damn dose Flashes. I know, right? Yeah, shit. Um, so you gotta team up again. <laughs> seriously, you too can- many, too many quick one people. One Flash is hard enough. It's seriously. <laughs> 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 Guess what, though? The pair successfully made the getaway, but they were later captured because there were two speedsters. They lured them into some trap. You should have gotten a third rogue. Look, the rogues weren't a thing yet. Well, now they know they need it to be a thing. <laughs> exactly. Because you never know how many fucking speedsters are going to show up. <laughs> There's You're- so many of them. Yeah. Why are there so many of them? Oh my god. Shit. Okay. They're in prison, but he gets out. He, I think he like actually serves time and just gets out because he didn't murder anyone. He just stole some shit or attempted to. Fair enough. And so he's out of prison and, uh, Cold supposedly reformed his criminal ways and he even makes a guest appearance on yeah, Oprah. the Gilmore show announcing his new way of life with his sister, Cutie Lisa. Cutie Lisa. And they established the Golden Snowball Recoveries 1-800-GET-COLD, a company that will recover lost or stolen items or your money back. So first of all, that's incredible and hilarious. <laughs> Secondly, Golden Snowball sounds like a weird sex move. They are siblings. I know, and I don't want. Them I know to that's have a huge porn thing that we talked about the other day. Now it is, but I don't want it. I don't want them to have sex. I just think specifically Golden Snowball sounds like a sex move. Not that they have to. One eight hundred get cold. That's hilarious, <laughs> and it's all in caps. Also, I can only imagine this is going to be the worst commercial you've ever seen. You know, worst slash best. Can you imagine Snart trying to act? No. <laughs> Which is why it would be so good. Lisa would have to carry the fucking mm-hmm. shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she would be a lot better. No, but she's hot. But it, but she's hot. <laughs> he's hot too, but yeah, also he's hot in like an aggressive way where it's you're true. like, I'm afraid that you're going to headbutt me. But kind of into it. <laughs> but like, if you did, I'd probably be okay with it. <laughs> Golden Snowball recoveries. <laughs> but they essentially, they became bounty hunters. That's what it was. That's cool. Yeah. Snart was, obviously, he's been in the comics for a very long time. But oh he mostly God, just yeah. sort of pops into random storylines, plays a little bit of a part, and then pops out quickly. That so, was mostly to be fair, role. that is the ideal. It's the ideal role. It's the ideal role. It's the ideal role. I think if either you or I were a person in a comic book. Yeah. That would be it. Show up and then leave. Go on with our lives. I came in. I popped in for like 
Six remember months. me? Yeah, you remember me. Yep. Bye. My storyline is over. <laughs> I'm off doing my own shit. I'm probably <laughs> still robbing shit, but you are doing your own but shit. But you're too busy with someone who's doing more than yeah. just robbing. So bye. Um, it's just mail fraud at this point. <laughs> because it's back in the day and they couldn't just true. do identity theft. It's true. Like I said, he pops in and out, but... One of the bigger storylines for him wasn't actually until 1995 in the Underworld Unleashed little saga they had going on. Underworld Unleashed. Snart. It sounds like a 90s title. Yeah. So at this point, since it's 1995, Snart has already made the rogues. And they broke up a few times and got back together a few times. Broke up a few times and got back together a few times. (laughs) And so now he's back with the rogues. Um, and he undertakes a strange mission through the urging of Abra Kadabra. <laughs> Is any of that spelled differently than... Nope. Cool. Is it spelled like the Pokemon? Yes. Cool. So... I assume it looks just like the Pokemon. And if it doesn't, don't tell me. <laughs> I have no idea. I did not Google this person. So, given little... I, I just... Copy and pasted Abracadabra. Laughed at the fact that his name was Abracadabra and I'm moved on with the my fact life. That he definitely looks like Kadabra. Yes. <laughs> I imagine he looks just like Kadabra, except he floats like Abra. Yes. Yeah. And like maybe has a little bit more of a human y face, but he definitely has like a weird Kadabra mustache. Yes. <laughs> So, without giving much explanation, they agree to strike at five specific, though seemingly unremarkable, locations across the United States. Each attack is committed simultaneously, yielding explosive results far beyond their expectations. Each of the rogues is consumed by a creaming, raging green fire. As their respective <laughs> targets go up in flames. But guess what, Martha? What? <laughs> These explosives formed a pentagram and I unleashed the would... Lord of Hell, Neuron. Okay. How is that spelled? N E R O N. N E. Okay. Neuron? Because Neuron. Neuron? I guess technically it would be an yeah. E noise. Because Neuron just it sounds like U-E. this cell type thing. Neuron. Yeah, but like, it's still shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Neuron. Also, Neuron. When you were like Neuron. five random spots, always I was a like, pentagram. Oh, but it's a pentagram. You know, pentagrams aren't fucking satanic. They're fucking pagan. Yep. But if you were a dumb baby goth, then sometimes you come up with these things. So you're like, well, maybe I'll just summon the devil. Satanic panic. Any devil. Satanic panic. Okay, anyways. Neuron. Neuron. I'm just going to say it different every single time I have to say it. <laughs> Please do. Okay. I really genuinely appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think I have to Especially say it too much. Especially now that but... I know how it's spelled. <laughs> they all exploded. And there was a pentagram, yep. and this Lord of Hell rised, rose, whatever. So, pretty soon after, the soulless husks of Captain Cold and other rogues were sent to terrorized Earth by 
Miron. Wally West and Linda Park. Hey. We're able to negotiate with the demon and get the rogue soul back in exchange for their love. Gay. I know, right? I mean, incredibly hetero in this case. Yeah. But like. But gay hetero. Gross. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Like, what I mean by this is it's too romantic and I'm grossed out by it. So. They're back to life. Snart's alive again. Everybody's alive again. Everybody's alive again. Probably not yet. For the exchange. There's no... Why would this fucking demon of Neuron want their love? I guess to make them miserable. Is this a, like, Mephisto, Mary Jane, and Peter type situation where they don't remember each other? Or they still That's one thing we didn't talk about. Spider-Man was so... Fuck. Yeah, that's Holy true. Holy shit. Also, all y'all haters out there for Andrew Garfield who now love Andrew Garfield, you can go suck my dick. And also, like, you can't look at Andrew Garfield's butt. That's, that's the punishment. <laughs> that is the allowed. punishment. So after Snart, um, he decides to kind of keep a low profile um, just as a normal citizen of Keystone City. A normal Leonard. Um, occasionally, apparently, spotted at some hockey games. He's a fan of hockey. Well, Shocking no one. Is, I was going to say the least surprising thing. It's cold mm-hmm. and they fight each other. Yep. Cold fights. I um, love a good cold fight. There's one time some monster appeared and tried to steal the hockey trophy during a fight. Uh, during no, nope, during Cup. a game. And uh, the Flash arrived in time to confront the creature known as Tar Pit. And <sighs> Snart decided to help Flash. Because he was like, Damn. I'm already here. <laughs> 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 and I'm here to team. It's too late now. But he was supposed to be undercover. So while uh, Tarpit and Flash were fighting and Flash was getting the situation under control, Snar was like, I'm just gonna tiptoe away because I'm technically supposed to be in jail. So bye guys. And he got away. So for a second, I thought you were going to say he was going to tiptoe and put on a mask. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would be a way to disguise yourself. What is happening tonight? (laughs) Why did my brain go there? I don't know. So, he ran away. (laughs) That's where we're at. So, um, in the crossfire arc of The Flash, which was in Flash Volume 2, Issues 183 to 191 from April to December of 2002, it takes place right after the Rogues team collapses again. So this, uh, the rogue team collapses following the reformation of several of its members. And then the villain, Blacksmith, decides that he wants to, you know, get the team back together. But Cold isn't invited to join, which is rude. Yeah. And, um... I assume he pulls a, um, Maleficent is like, <laughs> Bitch! You're gonna try to reform this without me? Absolutely what fucking fuck? not. But yeah. 
he's pissed, obviously, by someone not only taking his team, but then not even getting an invite. So he's like, fuck you, I'm going to sabotage you and all your fucking efforts to be this bad team. Okay, I love that. (laughs) I love being being a bad guy, but also being petty Petty as fuck. And, like, your pettiness is the thing that ends up making you into a little bit of a good guy because you're fucking up the other bad guys. Yep. He helps to petty as fuck people. We are both into this. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. So he helps Fred Sheer, Shire, Shire, Shrill. Oh, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared Marillo to rescue Cyborg. I don't know who those people are. Once again, didn't look them up. And other hostages that were being held captive in Mirror World. And then later he helps Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, and the Trickster escape from the Flash. And then he reforms the rogues. (laughs) He's like, well, now that it's on my terms and this person who didn't invite me isn't here anymore. And I did get to be as petty as I fucking wanted to. Let's go. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing again. <laughs> I did miss you guys. I just didn't miss every other goddamn dick fucking asshole. So then in 2006 to 2007, Snart was in The Flash, the fattest... <gasps> the fastest man alive. <laughs> I my fucking seltzer all over your bed. I almost did. I got a little bit of it on my hand. Jesus. Okay. In 2006 to 2007, Snart was in The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive, which was a 13-issue miniseries, also known as Full Throttle. (laughs) Yeah. Cold and the Rogues were invited by Inertia to join him in the plot that uh, he claims will allow him to freeze time and plunder the world. <sighs> Instead of freezing the world, however, the machine steals Bart Allen's powers. He and his team defeat Allen, but realize they've been used when they unmasked him and see a relationship and see his relationship to inertia. So when real dumb. Alan attempts to regain his speed, Cold, along with Heatwave and Weather Wizard, end up shooting and killing Bart Allen. Oh. Womp, womp. Bummer. Like, kill one of the old Flashes. Jesus. So, uh, Bart's dead. And... That's a big bummer. <laughs> yeah, Bart's it was a, a big bummer. Bed. And it was, you know, probably... Probably one of the worst things Cold ever did. I mean, because he usually doesn't kill. Yeah, it's high up on the list. Yeah, he's here for a a good time. Not a long. Not a long time. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) So, um, with the death of Bart, with the death of Bart, there's a new resurrection of the secret society of supervillains. And Captain Cold, along with the rest of the rogues, yes, are being... Yes, that's feet. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's Captain Cold's noise? <laughs> no, his acronym from earlier. Oh my god, okay. Um... What was? There's an... And, and I feel like there's... 
there's a Z and an M and a W. It ends A. It ends with a Z. What whiz? What whiz? What whiz? It's close to that. That's probably good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, oh shit. The man who, who mastered. So, man who. Mwamwaz. Mwamwaz. Yeah. Mwamwaz. So we were really fucking close. Depends on how hard you pronounce that A. Are you using a long or a short A out to my eyeball? <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> Good thing my eye closed. <laughs> I didn't mean to hit you, but uh, like, it was one of those you kind of leaned in at the same time, too. I'm tippy. <laughs> so, um, the SSSV... <laughs> the secret society of supervillains are trying to recruit the rogues and I guess who is it? Libra. Libra is who is the head now is trying to recruit them. Just trying to get them against those speedsters I guess. And they're like we're already against them. And Cold's like mm, fuck you Libra. You are trying to recruit us, but you have not helped us at all since we've murdered Bart. So, fuck you. Um, we already um, did the heavy lifting <laughs> of killing this kid. <laughs> <laughs> by shooting him a bunch of times when he didn't have his speed. And by we, I mean me personally. I am a kid killer. Awesome. <laughs> They essentially, even though there's been threats all apparently to their families, all the rogues and Cold are like, now go fuck yourself. So the new rogues went and held Captain Cold's father hostage. Didn't his father beat him, though? Yeah, so, but apparently he still kind of cared. So Cold had the rest of his rogues go slaughter all the new rogues, and then Heatwave murdered his father anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's what happened. Hey, fucked up families. Like I, Martha and I don't understand that because that's not our lives. I was going to say, that is not us. <laughs> but I do a little bit get being like, no, y'all don't get to do the thing. But I do still want him dead. So we'll just kill everyone. <laughs> well, this murder. I, I guess everyone gets to die here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fair. Old rogues forever. <laughs> So now all those new rogues are dead, and Cold and the other rogues just resume their plan to kill Inertia. They're like, well, that's all good. I guess we'll keep but on old plan. They didn't realize Inertia's new mentor was Zoom! Dun, dun, dun! I hate that about <laughs> us. That was not planned. <laughs> They're also um, <laughs> apparently stopped by Libra. And he had, so Libra, whoever Libra is. Libra sounds like a tool and a half. First of I all, mean, Libra whoever names like, themselves after a Zodiac yeah, is a tool and a half. I'm like... They're like, my astrology sign has defined who I am. I am a Libra. And that means something. Libra's balance? <laughs> question mark? No question mark, fucking question clue. Mark. They also stalked Libra, 
who had Weather Wizard's infant son as, like, Ransom or something. And then Inertia killed the boy. Oh, bummer. And took the mantle of Kid Zoom. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. (laughs) And he wants to cause tragedy to all the rogues. Kid Zoom. Is dead. And replaced by Inertia. Yeah. Yes. So. (sighs) Kid Inertia Zoom. Kid Zinertia. Kid in whom? <laughs> I like that so much better. <laughs> the rogues end up, I guess, to try to gain his trust. They kill a bunch of the speedsters or whatever for a second time. So it happened again. <laughs> and Libra's all like, hey, I'm pleased with you. So I'm going to tell you why I want you in my secret society so bad. But guess what? Belly at Belly Allen. <laughs> Be- <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Well, um, Barry Allen is from Back from the Dead. And uh, the rogues are the only ones who know him well enough to stop him. And it allows evil to triumph. Though, so this... This I copied and pasted, okay? <laughs> I, I couldn't figure that out before. This, so, this is the sentence. Shocked at the news of the return of Barry Barry, Cole still <laughs> rejected Libra's request for membership. Request for membership? I didn't hear any of that part. I <laughs> so, heard Barry Barry. Barry Barry. Barry Barry. So, shocked at the news of the return of Barry Cold still rejects Libra's request to to uh, join. Oh, and Libra's a loser. Yeah, and they're like, "Can I get your birth chart?" And I'm like, "No, I don't. Also, don't know any of that stuff." Yep, yep. Screw that shit. Shocked by the news of the return of Barry Barry, Cold rejected Libra's request still to join membership, and Inertia's body was left in front of the Keystone City Police Department. Next to the written words, tell the Flash we're even the rogues. Imagine if Barry's last name was (laughs) Barry. Barry, Barry! (laughs) That's all. And following these events, Cold announced that he was not going to retire, even though he was maybe thinking of it, because he did not want to appear as a quitter to Barry Allen, and because he knew that Barry would not just let him walk away. We we all know Cold is gay for Barry. Obviously. <laughs> Alright, so... Like, I've defined my life around yours. It's true. I'm just saying that's <laughs> super gay. <laughs> so, he also had a part in The Blackest Night. Um, yes. During The Blackest Night, he led the rogues against the dead rogues who were attacking Iron Heights. He meets the Black Lantern, Golden Glider, who tries to leverage his love for her in order to defeat him. He is able to suppress his love for her, and he ends up freezing her. He literally- She's fucking dead. Yes. 
Because she still looks like a dead fucking body. A dead fucking body. He later successfully freezes all the other zombies, no- unknowingly saving Flash from the Black Lantern Professor Zoom oh, when he freezes Zoom's currently living body. He kills Owen Mercer by pushing him into a pit with the Black Lantern's Captain Boomerang upon discovering that Owen had been feeding women and children to his father. Well, boy. He was like, this is too much for me and oh, you're- boy. You, I am bad, but you are, you are bad. I'm bad but you get to get killed by You zombies. are real bad, oh so. Thank you, uh, Captain Cold, for helping us out in that bad time. Yeah, don't eat people. Cannibalism. It's a strong pass. This all happened during what the DC, what, what the DC, <laughs> what DC calls New Earth. And then our favorite thing happened. The new 52. Boo! And now it's called Prime Earth. Oh my god. Because they're very original names. Yeah. So like the the new Earth is up until 2011 and then Prime Earth is 2011 to current times, which is everything after the new 52. I need 40 naps to deal with Believe that. me, I had to Google like 18 different ways of trying to put... What is the main universe of DC? Because no one could fucking tell me. I'm like, when you type out what is the main universe for Marvel, they tell me it's the 616 or the 616 or the 616. (laughs) Either way, those numbers are the same. The number pops up. It just (laughs) matters how you count it. (laughs) Couldn't quite figure it out for a little bit when it came to DC. DC should just, it should just be one, but then they have one and prime. Yeah. God, mm-hmm. that makes me want to fucking yeah. Throw so into the they're in like ether. prime now. I don't fucking know. So his origin is similar, though there are a few changes to it. Leonard Snart experienced a rough childhood. His mother died when he was a child, forcing him and his younger sister Lisa to be raised alone by their father, um, who had not taken the wife's death well and basically became once again an alcoholic and physically abusive. Though he did have his uh, nurturing grandfather to uh, give him truck. some refuge, but this time his uh, Leonard and his sister would visit him to his ice factory that he worked at, and this is also where he grew up to love the cold atmosphere because it was a symbol of escape from the abuse. I guess ice factories are a thing that makes sense, but I never have <laughs> yeah. thought about that before. Into adulthood, uh, into adulthood, Leonard, upright mind, decided to pursue a life of crime and thievery. Though uh, Lisa was an ice skating prodigy, so to say princess. No, I mean I'm sure she was too. But so uh, (laughs) Leonard's protected attitude and Lisa's appreciative acceptance of her uh, basically led him to let her go and go down a different path to let her have her dream. You be an ice princess, and I will also be an ice princess, but (laughs) in a very different way. But because of this and her love for her brother, this is what ends up ultimately having her go down one the the path of crime as well that she goes down. Um, this is when it, now this uh, cold steals the cold gun and uses it for his schemes in Central City. Snart develops the alias Captain Cold when he is forced to fight the city's newest hero, the Flash. Uh, he didn't go by the man who <laughs> <laughs> mastered zero. mastered absolute zero. <laughs> Mamas. <laughs> <laughs> 
imagine the like that almost sounds like Lamaze. I was That's the just <laughs> about to say that. <sighs> That's what it is, right? Yeah, I wouldn't know. I'm never pushing a baby out of my say, vagina. It's a strong question mark from me. I don't know. As a survival technique, snark. Snart and his sister. I mean, Snark is exactly is really, who he is. is who he is. Um, Golden Glider team up with some other members of the Flash's Rogues Gallery, thus forming the Rogues. So they are reformed in the New 52. Um, the New 52 is also apparently where they made um, Snart's really big, like, I have a code of honor and I don't want to kill people kind of oh, thing. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So, while leading the rogues, Leonard like, grew- remember that time I killed Bart? It was a bad time. I mean, it didn't happen now because we're in the new 52, but subconsciously in the back of my brain, I knew and it was a bad time. But so I let's not do that. that. That doesn't work for me. It doesn't work well. I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not that kind of person. That's not the person. That's not the snart that I want. I just want money and I want to bang Barry Allen and that's it. I mean, I and I, both of those are fine. I am okay with both of those. Yeah, get yours. <laughs> okay, so he's leading the rogues, and Leonard grows increasingly frustrated that their high-tech weaponry is not enough to prevent the Flash from thwarting all their attempts at crime. Ew. After a failed robbery, Leonard angrily pinned the blame on the trickster and fired him from the team. Aww. His frustrations and guilt over the issue drove him to drinking, don't do that. And after a sloppy attempt, drink in moderation. Do I was gonna say we're both <laughs> drinking Ray Meow, but you know, like we are only not- drink for your podcast, Len. <laughs> My friend Len, only drink for your podcast. <laughs> Think about we Owen. He doesn't want you to drink. <laughs> when smoked, he could make it on his own. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, fucking God. Now I need you to draw fucking Leonard Snart as a little Homestar Runner character. He just, like, the gun just hovers because Homestar has no No, arms. It's fine. (laughs) He's like Rayman. It's fine. It's fine. So the trickster is fired. And his frustration and guilt over the issue drives him to drinking, which we said Wait, is bad. The trickster? No. Leonard. Leonard. Okay. Um, Leonard's like, I fired you and now I'm drinking. But yeah, because he's frustrated and feels guilty because he I actually has somewhat of a conscience. But like. And then after a sloppy attempt at a robbery, which the other rogues had to save him because I'm sure he was drunk, Leonard receives an invitation. Turns out he can't make it on his own. He can't make it on his own. At least not while he's drinking. He receives a letter from Darwin Elias, who would make him powerful enough to stop the Flash in his tracks. How does he do that? Well, the rogues place their themed weapons into Elias's genome recording device, and it fuses their DNA with the weapons. Sounds like some new 52 shit. Yep. Exactly. So. Now he has cryokinesis. Literally the next line is. Leonard was imbued with the power of cryokinesis. Oh my god. I'm super <laughs> mad about that. <laughs> Thank 
Yep. Unfortunately, his sister was not so lucky. She was separated from her body into an astral form, and her real body was left comatose. Oh, bummer. She had a malignant brain tumor. Oh, that's a very bummer. Yep. So, of course, Leonard blames himself, and Lisa's boyfriend, Sam, also blamed himself. She had a boyfriend named Sam. (laughs) I'm assuming it's not Sam Wilson. (laughs) Bummer for her. Wrong (laughs) bit. Try that again. Wrong Wrong fandom. And he was trapped within the mirror world, apparently. Bummer. And then Leonard was like, this is a bummer, so let's disband the group because I'm over it. (laughs) It Over it. (laughs) Fair. Fair. Good old Len. Mm -hmm. Trying to make it on his own. And then he's like, maybe I will make it on my own because (laughs) this group of rogues is not working. Not working out. Uh. So next up, the Flash, he causes that massive EMP blast. This power outage caused the hospital that was caring for Lisa to also go out. And they did not have enough reserve power. Oh, no. To keep her in this little comatose state that she was in that was helping, that was saving her from her cancer. So now, Leonard's pissed. He decides to change up his rules a little bit. And is like, fuck Flash, I'm gonna kill him. He freezes the river between gem cities to get Flash's attention. So, while trying to fight the Flash... Leonard realizes that his powers, or he learns, I guess, because he just got his powers, backfire if he gets wet and inadvertently, inadvertently encases himself in ice. That's a bad time. This isn't like fucking Rama who gets wet and turns into girl. He's like, now I'm double hot. Man... All I want is a dude that could change to a girl every once in a while. Truly the dream. <laughs> Truly the fucking dream. Get me so, he's frozen. He froze himself. Because he was wet. Because he was wet. And he was like, oh no, my powers are freezing me, not not other things. Oh no, I and, went to uh, the bus stop with wet hair and now it's frozen. Oh, that's always a bad time too. We all know about that. Yep, we and do. we, I mean those of us who lived in New England. <laughs> and have hair. Yep. <laughs> so, the Flash finds out why Captain Cold was attacking him and he was like, oh no, I fucked up. And ends up creating a battery power with the speed force energy energy to power the hospital and ends up saving Lisa's life. So despite her brother's efforts, Lisa was not graceful. Graceful. She was graceful. She was a, she was like a fucking ice skater. She's like she a was the golden glider. She was like the fucking ice skater princess that Martha imagined her. She was to be. a fucking ice skater princess. So she was that like what the fuck are those little things where you pull the thing and like, oh the little like gliding fire. fairies that end up in the fireplace. <laughs> Yes, exactly. 
Oh, it's so beautiful. It spins. Oh, no. <laughs> so she's not grateful at all for Leonard. And um, that's rough. Buddy. Yeah, I know. Right. And because uh, he's such a doting older brother. I know. He loves her so much. Oh. And she ends up he's going back. trying to do right by her. I know. And that sucks. he just wants to be right by her and fuck the flash and have and some fuck money. everybody else. Oh no! I didn't realize we were going with that, but you were not wrong. And also, fuck everyone. I just feel like that's not a that's pretty solid place to be. Like, I can't complain. So, um, she goes behind his back and ends up reuniting the rogues as their new leader. They box him out. He's upset and mad, so he actually goes to the Flash to ask for help in fighting the new rogues. (laughs) <laughs> He's such a petty bitch. Anytime that there are new rogues, bitch is like, um, absolutely fucking no. <laughs> um, do you know who started you? You are nothing. The OG rogue without and you me. You cannot do this without me. <laughs> this is not America's next top best friend, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is not America's next top best rogue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So when he comes face to face with his sister again, he ends up turning on the flash and rejoining the rose. Cause he's a little baby ass bitch when it comes to his sister. Cause he just loves her. Yeah. The flash isn't putting out. So it's not like it's, it's true. Oh so, um, and this is when actually the gorilla invasion starts to happen oh at the God. same time. And they just kind of sit and watch it happen. <laughs> Some person in fucking DC was like, I'm really good at drawing gorillas. <laughs> and you know that's where this went. Fair. You were like, I've got a really good template <laughs> really for gorillas. So the invasion is starting to happen. These really well drawn gorillas. <laughs> And Captain Cole was like, this isn't our forte. We need to maybe take a step back from this. I would make a terrible gorilla. So let's 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 maybe, so he... Maybe a polar bear. He, he like, goes over to Flash, who he, like, knocked unconscious and was like, hey, Flash. And I don't know which Flash this is at this point, but I assume it's Barry Ellen. I assume he would fuck either of them. Barry or Wally or whoever the Flash is at this point. Flashy. Flash. Flashy flash. We have a problem. There are so many gorillas. Somebody really got ahead of themselves. And even though they are... <laughs> someone got way, got way too excited about this gorilla drawing. Please help us. They were like, God is my absolute jam. <laughs> so um, they end up teaming up with Flash because they knew... Gorillas were bad and not their strength. And Flash isn't into gorillas either. No, no one's really into the. The only person into the gorillas is the person drawing the gorillas. And also maybe Grodd, who is drawn by the person <laughs> yes. who is like, I would yeah. probably let this gorilla take me yep. apart. So they, they, I guess they win. And then <laughs> <laughs> the Flash and the Rogues, they win against the the gorilla drawing freak, and um. <laughs> 
<laughs> Leonard and Lisa, even though they've been bickering the whole time about who the real leader of the rogues is, combine their smarts, because both of them are smart. They're smarts. They are smarts. <laughs> and send the fucking gorillas to the mirror world. Unfortunately, they did not realize that this plan was the creation of the reverse Flash. And he's a gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) But that's fine. No one needs to talk about it. So they defeat Grodd and then they go home. Like, reverse Flash, your hands. And also... Reverse Flash, not our problem. Have fun, Flash. Whichever Flash you are, because I don't know. You're, like, very hairy. It's really weird. Your proportions are kind of fucked You're, up. Why are your hands touching the ground? <laughs> Every time you run, you run on all fours, which is kind of weird for a flash. <laughs> God damn it. Reverse flash was mo- born, but it doesn't really matter. Gorilla reverse flash. That has nothing to do with Leonard Snart. <laughs> Good old Leonard. Trying to make well, it on his just own. Trying to, he's trying to make it on his own. Make it on his own. He's trying. So we're skipping ahead some unspecified amount of time because I didn't look into that. And there's another heist. It's comics. Time isn't real. I mean, time it's isn't real, real in the real world, so it definitely ain't real in the comics. Who? How old is fucking Leonard Snart? He's definitely not 80-something. <laughs> So there was another heist, and it was thwarted, and the roads were frustrate, frustrated. But with this frustration of this thwarted heist, it's revealed that none of the rogues had ever forgiven Cold for, like, forcing them to fuse their weapons with their bodies and give them powers. So apparently all of them are just pissed at him. He's like, it was the new 52's fault, He was like, actually. look... They took away Nightwind's stripes. What did you want from me? Yeah, I he didn't have finger stripes. <laughs> I got confused without Everyone the finger was stripes. A little bit confused. No one had the guidance of Dick Grayson's finger stripes. His like cool blue finger stripes yeah. to guide the way. And Instead, we had none of that. We had a lot of angry red and also <laughs> no fingers. So um, they're apparently all mad at him. And so he's like, I guess this isn't working out, so we're not a group anymore. I'm so he disbands the group. Rogue. I am going to make it on my own again. <laughs> and so he's back to drinking again. He tries to attempt the same robbery because he's drunk and feels bad and and shitty about himself because he can't make it on his own. And so the rogues do return to help him and prevent him from getting caught. And Leonard does admit his guilt and apologizes to all of his rogue buddies. Aww. So they unite as a team. And Leonard's like, hey, we should break the trickster out of prison. So they go to Iron Heights. (laughs) And and, uh, some mysterious speedster who uh, proclaimed the Justice League was dead and that villains now rude the earth happened to open it up and uh, let him on in. This is all happening. All in the part of the fact that uh, the city is essentially destroyed because of the gorillas. And um, <laughs> that one fucking artist <laughs> ruined everything in DC. He's like, fuck your city. 
And I'm letters really like, look, gorillas. I'm not really concerned about these gorillas or the destroyed city, but I am worried about my sister. Sister. So he frees all of the police force that apparently was captive. By and gorillas? By gorillas, I'm assuming. Yeah. And the rogues decide that they don't actually want to get involved in this new world that is apparently ruled by villains. And they try to go oppose them and realize it's just in the syndicate and the secret society of villains. Man, there's so many S's in mm-hmm. all of the, like, fucking villain mm-hmm. names. We just had the And all of these ones have so many S's as well. Secret Society of Villains. <laughs> so, Cold ended up capturing the attention of the syndicate member, Deathstorm. And he captures Cold and ends up having his DNA re-encoded, which strips away his powers. Okay. So now he can't freeze people. No cryokinesis for Without you. a gun. Only guns. Only guns. That's fair. Um, That's way more easy and fun. And also you don't have to worry about, like, shaking somebody's hand and freezing them by accident. Or having a slight bit of moisture on you and freezing yourself. That's a bad time. Yeah. Also, so, bad... Who who thought about this? Yeah, no, I know, right? And with this, he was also dragged into the Mirror World, but Mirror Master saved him just in time. Yay. And Cold landed in uh, Metropolis, separated mm. from the rest of the rogues. Quickly rebuilding his original cold gun just from his memory because he's actually really smart. Cold really joined. Smart. He's making it on his own. Made it on his own. <laughs> he joins Lex Luthor though. Oh, why? Um, because they both have the goal of undermining the crime syndicate's invasion. That's fair. Yeah, they're both like these. Bastards, we want to be the evilest. We're like, we're both weird, weirdly hot, bald dudes. Cold isn't bald. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I was just thinking about what's his name. Ugh, he's so hot. He's super hot. He's super gay, but super hot. Doesn't, I'm also super gay. Yeah, he's super gay, so I, I can't even imagine doing things with him because he's super gay. I just want to, like, listen to you talk most of the time. Oh, he's so hot. You're hot and your voice is, you're hot and your voice is, like, double hot. I'm okay. mad about it. Me too. All right. With the coalition of other villains re- rebelling against, rebelling, rebelling, <laughs> um, rebelling against the crimes and against new, just chaotic law of villains, the uh, cold and the Injustice League sought to regain control of the world and bring back the Justice League because it was. Just we're like we're bored with we we need superheroes There's to be villains. Fucking gorillas. If everything's <laughs> what is with this fucking flash gorilla over here? I don't understand him. He seems like a loser. <laughs> so um, I can't banter with this motherfucker. <laughs> He's too big and hairy. Yeah, I just. There's a weird cross-species thing. I can't... I feel uncomfortable. Where's Barry? (laughs) So, Johnny Quick shows up. Yep, that motherfucker. (laughs) That motherfucker. 
they're like working together, but not working together. It's like, hey, we have the same goal, but we're the villains and you're the good people. So we actually have to be against each other. It's villains. So during their like big final fight, the Johnny Quick is going after Cold and he like corners him and shoots him in the leg, freezing his leg and destroying his leg. That's pretty funny, but, like, super (laughs) dirty. And then the syndicate was defeated, and the Justice League returned, and Captain Cold and the Injustice League celebrated, because they were the heroes, apparently. (laughs) Because they saved the Justice League, because they were, like... Desperately miss all of our people. And everything smells bad with all these gorillas. Okay, so, ready? Last, Last chapter here. Rebirth. It happens. Hmm. Tries to, I guess, fix some of the awfulness that was the new 52. We're like, we should have fixed this a long time We should have fixed this well, we, the instant it happened, but we didn't. didn't. We tried to hold on to it and pretend it was a good idea and when it wasn't. a fucking year of gorillas. <laughs> Snart with LexCorp in Rebirth, and he's like, nah, I'm bored of LexCorp now. So he decides to return to the Rogues in Central City. And when a warrant went out for Flash's arrest due to the um, plan orchestrated by the Riddler, Cold and the Rogues jumped on the opportunity to arrest him. (laughs) Shocking no one. Let's all go to jail together. (laughs) However, uh, the Riddler's plan developed. It threatened Central City, so the Rogues ended up turning around and fighting alongside the Flash to save Central City because the Riddler... Was trying to destroy their city. And you know right. how people are about their cities. My city. Uh, is strong. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, so after the victory, Cold and the Rogues went into hiding for a few weeks. And Snart planned one last heist. With upgraded costumes, the Rogues seemed perfectly planned for every move that the Flash could possibly make. By splitting them up and using their skills to rob multiple, lo- multiple locations... And they seemingly had gotten away with it. However, due to Heatwave's arrogance and fighting the Flash and diverting from Cold's perfect plan, the hero ended up intercepting their getaway boat. And even with his upgraded Cold gun, Captain Cold and the Rogues were defeated by the Flash. Bummer. Because of fucking male ego. Also, y'all used a boat to get away. So, you know, the Flash can run on water, right? So. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. You know, you think. Arch nemesis. They would know that. So they're in prison. Shocking. But while in prison, the rogues secretly set up criminal operations within Iron Heights and became kingpins within the system. (laughs) Okay. So they ran an empire under the nose of both the Flash and the Warden until their own rogue member... Turbine expressed the desire for reformation and threatened to rat them out. Not wanting to put their empire at risk, Cold snapped Turbine's neck and framed Trickster. Holy shit. Damn. So there goes that code for not killing it. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Christ. However, the Flash ends up using his detective skills and is like, oh, hey, cold. Oh, weird. You did that. It's like this motherfucker probably snapped somebody's neck instead of the skinny ass trickster. (laughs) 
who definitely can't do anything physical ever. Yeah. Um, and he ended up getting transferred to Bell Reeve, which is a more intense rev. But there's two E's. E R E R E V E. Yeah. It's a French word. But there's two E's. English tells me that should be pronounced Eve. Is there a little? No, there's not. There should be a hat over the E. The first E. Yeah. Um, so this is essentially where it was left off. Not really 100% sure where he is now, because when you Google it, nothing fucking tells you anything because it's comics. Mm. And who the fuck knows what I need to read, and I'm not reading anything. So, um... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I will finish by saying this. Traditionally, Captain Cold, he's driven by three things. Money, women, and the desire to beat Barry Allen. The desire to make it on his own. (laughs) And the desire to make it on his own. So... (laughs) You did this. (laughs) I don't know if I did this. If we really dig into the root of it, you did this. Okay, to be fair, I introduced you to this. So, like, at the heart of things... And I'm pretty sure you said, you were the one that first said, not in the voice, but make it on his own. And then we went, and then, and there's no way I can't jump after that. We'll we'll, we'll see. I'm pretty sure you said, and then I was like, let us not make it on his own. God damn it. Whatever. Okay. So, um. I'm blaming you regardless. (laughs) Barry Ellen. Barry Allen. Bowie Allen. Bowie Allen. <laughs> Traditionally, Captain Cold is driven by three things. Money, woman, and the desire to make it on his own. No, Barry Allen. Money, so. Women. <laughs> but we know um, it's Bowie. We know Bowie so When Bally Allen dies, uh, Captain Cold drifts for a while, jumping back and forth with the lines between crop. Cr- Wine and just oh my god, my R's have left my his, fucking mouth. His quime and justice. and his quime and justice. <laughs> he is captured by Manhunter and serves time in the suicide suicide squad. He works with his sister as a bounty hunter, and he um even and even sometimes with his well and his. And sometimes with his lifelong friend and nemesis Heatwave, he also encounters Fire and Ice in Justice League. He has teamed up with various DC characters over the years, including Catwoman and the Secret Society of Supervillains. Catwoman, I bet that's super. I know, probably. And I mean, honestly, what better than that? He's just a fucking anti-hero that mostly leads towards villain, but is like, hey, I'm not totally a D-bag. So To be fair, that's my Yeah, exactly, which is why, uh, literally, my last line is my kind of character. Yes! (laughs) And that is why I love fucking Leonard Snart and how he can make it on his own. He can make it on his own. Of the myriad pop culture podcasts, there is one that blends in with them all. Flying under the radar, nagging at you at a subconscious level. Nerd Bliss 
where four hosts from the Deep South and anyone that can get to appear for store brand coffee and corn nuts talk about science fiction, pop culture, current affairs, and more. You can find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or on the ESO network. Nerdbliss. It's one word. Do you like podcasts? Then you're going to hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. Okay, so what am I talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> can he make it on his own, whoever you're talking about? She can. Oh. And did. And it was Anne Rice. Yeah. And I'm talking about Anne Rice. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't fall off my Speaking head. Speaking of people who can't make it on their own, it's me. <laughs> I can't. But, yeah, basically, I'm going to talk about Anne Rice and her effect on vampires in modern media. And why any vampire that has come after fucking Lestat and Lewis has been affected by them. My sources were Wikipedia. I don't think I used fandom at all on this one. Um, but I also used some articles. I read a couple interviews with Anne Rice. And then um, there was a Anne Rice's Modern Vampire is as influential as Bram Stoker's Dracula by Tony Secor. And Anne Rice changed vampires for the better and helped her fans become their fuller selves by Hank Stuiver. <laughs> There's a lot of vowels. <laughs> I know. Sounds German. Maybe? Okay, so uh, this should probably come as no surprise, but... Uh, Probably one of the least surprising things about me is obviously I had a vampire face. <laughs> no. What? Gasp! Not oh my you. god. So uh, the girl who just re-binged Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Well, and to be fair, who doesn't... like a, a vampire face is interesting and also fun. It definitely is fun. Honestly, if you didn't have a vampire stage, I don't want to know you. You're boring. Seriously, you strongly missed out. Yeah. Because there were a lot of, like, really fun... There's a lot of interesting vampire literature, and also it mm -hmm. is, like, the dark, sexy, romantic fantasy nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes. So, yeah, I was pretty obsessed with vampires growing up. Probably around seventh grade, I was a small, depressed baby who was also trying to be sort of a sad goth. Uh, I always liked fantasy, but uh, vampires were, like, sexy, dark fantasy... It was like your broody fantasy boyfriend, mm -hmm. which at the age of like fucking 14 and 13, I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Not so, you know. Not really, but. No, I don't want a broody fantasy boyfriend. I would like a broody fantasy girlfriend, <laughs> and I would like her to not be that broody. I was going to say, and not that broody. Place. I'm the broody one, and I don't even like to be broody. <laughs> it's just who I am. So, of course, 
when I read Interview with the Vampire, I immediately went to the library and also to Borders, one of the two. Oh, Borders was so much better. I really miss, I genuinely miss Borders. What? Walden Books. So, so yeah, I, I read, uh, Interview with a Vampire and then was immediately like, I have to go and pick up as many of these as I can from both the library and borders, depending on how much I could afford as a poor baby seventh grader <laughs> and how many you could take out from the library at a time. Mm-hmm. I ate that goddamn shit up and I ate it up so fucking quick. And Anne Rice had built, like, a really incredible and rich world in, like, with magic and darkness and blood and vampires, and I was 1,000% here for it as a teeny, sad seventh grader who thought that uh, was goth, but was really just mostly depressed and unmedicated at the time. Ah! But yeah, not only just with me, though. It wasn't just, like tiny sad seventh graders who were into this the vampire chronicles was fucking huge and it changed the very face of vampires as we know it to something a little prettier to look at which thank fuck so uh here's a quote from one of the two things that i quoted who knows uh, any vampire who took flight in the last 45 years since interview with a vampire which Yes, Interview with a Vampire, just so you know, came out in 1976. Jesus Christ. I know. I know. I was reading that. I was like, 45 years? That sounds wrong. And it was like, nope, nope. 45 years is right. Holy fuck. Uh, Since Interview with a Vampire was first published, owes Anne Rice the deepest debt of gratitude, a sullen devotion, and a bouquet of dead roses. Same goes for anyone who has been through or never returned from their own personal vampire phase. Your girl right fucking here. <laughs> Which may manifest in bad poetry, emo ballads, or late nights in an alleyway in alleyway dance clubs. Too much eyeliner, never enough. Uh, to fall into Rice's world was to become besotted by the gruesomely wonderful act of transformation, lured out of dullness by a like-minded soul with a toothy grin, a black turtleneck, and a brocade vest, coming out for the wild night and then retreating back to Dullsville at dawn. Uh, Rice made that fantasy world seem del- deliciously possible in over five decades... Uh, she sold millions of books about vampires and other erotic imaginings, a trove of fiction and other works that sometimes vexed even the most loyal, re- loyal readers among her legion. Uh, and this was from, uh, so she recently died shortly before Christmas from a uh, stroke, which is why I was thinking about her. Um, so a little bit about the Vampire Chronicles and what it was and all that goddamn shit because, because quite frankly, there's a lot of it. Uh, so the Vampire Chronicles is a series of novels and a media franchise created by Anne Rice, uh, that revolves mostly around a fictional character, Lestat de Lioncourt, a French nobleman turned into a vampire in the 18th century. Uh, Interview with Vampire, 1976, like I said. I can't believe it was that long ago. Fucking bonkers. Uh, was made into a 1994 film starring Tom Cruise, which was a... Most of their casting for this 
was genuinely fucking terrible. <laughs> Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater, which I totally... Who the fuck was he? He's the interviewer. I know. Same. Same. <laughs> I, I wish you guys could see my face. Because <laughs> I, I had... I, I was... I pasted this and was like, wait, what? Christian Slater? Which vampire was Christian Slater? He was not a vampire. Even though his eyebrows were like that. <laughs> even though he had the perfect vampire, vampire eyebrows. Uh, and Kirsten Dunst. I, I was going to mention that part, but you know. I need to rewatch this movie just for that. Yeah, for real. What? Yeah, so he's the guy who interviews uh, Lestat about everything. And also Lewis, I think. Uh, yeah, he interviews Lewis, and, and then interviews, Lestat, he interview and then Lestat, Lestat comes in at the at very the, end, yeah, and he's like, interviewing Lewis turns him or movie. eats him, yeah. blah blah blah. I don't know. Interviews good. The vampire Lestat is the sequel, and like at least as far as the books go, and probably as far as the movies go, way goddamn better. I need to read the. Vampire stuff. Yeah, I own it. I was just. I yeah. literally just. I read interviews with the vampire, yeah. but I didn't read the this the, the sequel. Yeah, Lestat is just like Lewis is so like caught up in his grief and guilt, and Lestat is less so. <laughs> hey, I'm a vampire. And Let's l- do this. Yeah, exactly. He's like, okay, well, I guess this is where we're at. So I'm gonna lean way the goddamn fuck in. And I'm going to do this really goddamn good. In 1988, which I was like, whoa. Okay, so 1988 is when Queen of the Damned, the book, came out. 2002 is when the film came out, uh, starring Stuart Townsend and Aaliyah. Oh, Aaliyah. Yeah. And it uses some of 1985's The Vampire Lestat, which is the sequel to Interview with the Vampire. And in May 2020, it was announced that AMC had required the, acquired the rights to both The Vampire Chronicles and the lives of the Mayfair Witches, which is also another, like, another series that she wrote, but it, they're happening at the same time as The Vampire Chronicles and sometimes The Witches and Vampires, like crossover you know nonsense like mm-hmm. that um rice said in 2008 in a 2008 interview that her vampires were a metaphor for lost souls and uh the homo homoerotic overtones of the vampire chronicles are also well documented and as of november 2008 uh the vampire chronicles had sold 80 million copies worldwide. Jesus Christ. 2008, which is a long fucking time ago. Way too many years ago. Yeah. So, books in Vampire Chronicles, you've got Interview with Vampire, The Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, The Tale of the Body Thief, Memnock the Devil, The Vampire Armand, Merrick, Blood and Gold, Blackwood Farm, Blood Canticle. And that's where I stopped reading. And then Prince Lestat comes out. So Blood Canticle is 2003. They're all written by Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. Also, Every single side one. Note, it's really hard to make sure I say Anne Rice and not Anne Rule, but we're kind of on the same murder page here. It's all so good. It's okay. I don't think either of them would really I super don't think mind. So. I but don't yeah, think but so. she uh, came back to Lestat in two. So she, in I think shortly after Blood Canticle, which is both vampires and, like, witches. She 
went back to Catholicism and then she wrote a bunch of that sort of thing and then she was like, nah, not my jam. Nah. And then she came Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Uh and came back to Lestat in two thousand fourteen. So so there are three books that I have to read that I'm really fucking excited about. (laughs) Like, oh I haven't read anything from the fucking Vampire Chronicles since two thousand three. Wild. Bonkers. Um, and yeah, so there were some other tales from the vampires, uh, Pandora and Vittorio. I never read Vittorio, but I liked Pandora because I love a hot bitch. Uh, and then the lives of the Mayfair witches, which is like sort of some witches that were happening at the same t- It's the same universe, but like, you know, it's witches instead of vampires. Blah, blah, blah. Interview with a Vampire in 1976 uh, follows Louis de Pontelac, a vampire, and he tells a young reporter the story of how he had been made a vampire in the 18th century uh, New Orleans by Lestat de Lioncourt. And then it also talks about them and their child, Claudia, which is a very complicated fucking issue. Um, and them set, uh, setting a tragedy in motion. The Vampire Lestat, which is the sequel to uh, Interview with the Vampire, came out in 1985, and this book uh, chronicles Lestat's own origins as he resurfaces in the modern world, his attempt to find meaning by exposing himself to humanity in the guise of a rock star, and his search for a younger Marius culminating with his accidental awakening of Akasha, the ancient Egyptian queen and first vampire who has been immobile for the first millennia, blah, 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 blah. Um, the Queen of the Damned is in 1988, and that uh, Lestat awakened Akasha, who is the first of all of the vampires, who has in her thousands of years of immobility contrived an idealized way to achieve world peace by killing... Almost all males, which I'm like, well. Girl. I'm behind you on this. Uh, and destroying all other vampires. She herself is destroyed by the vampire witch Makar. Makar? I don't know. I read it. I never learned how to pronounce it. Uh, who has awakened and returned after 6,000 years to fulfill a pr- promise to destroy Akasha at the moment she poses greatest threat. And then the subsequent novels, there were, obviously, I read them all off to you. There's a goddamn fucking mm-hmm. bunch of them. Tale of the Body Thief finds Lestat haunted by his past of tire- and tiring of immortality. Um, a thief switches bodies with him and runs off and... Lestat enlists David Talbot, the leader of the Telemasca, um, which is like a bunch of magic-y type people, um, and one of his only remaining friends to help him retrieve it. In Memnock the, Be- the Devil in 1995, uh, Lestat meets the eponymous demon and is faced with a theological personal crisis. Pandora and Vittorio both are just about Pandora and Vittorio, and they don't include Lestat at all. And then Armand tells his own uh, life story in the Vampire Armand, and in Rice's Mayfair Witches series, it crosses over with the Vampire Chronicles in Merrick, as Lewis and David seek Merrick Mayfair, which is another goddamn fucking witch, his help in resurrecting Claudia's spirit. 
She seems like a fucking nightmare no, idea. Why? Don't do that. Let the poor girl die. For real. I didn't read Merrick. I'll be real with you. It sounds boring as shit and also depressing. 2003's Blood Canticle intertwines the vampire, Blackwood, and Mayfair stories and was intended by Rice to conclude the series, but then she came back to it after, like, going through, do I do religion? No, I don't do religion. (laughs) Don't really let... Um, and Rice let you know just to not do religion. Yeah. She's like, nah. Nah. This was a hard pass. This is hard. Um, but no. yeah, it comes back to uh, Prince Lestat in 2014, which is him rejoining the remaining vampires a decade later and dealing with the pressure to lead them. And then there's other ones after that. The real question is, mm-hmm. can Lestat... Make it on his own. He does okay. <laughs> he does okay as far as making it on his own. He has most of his legs. <laughs> he doesn't have just fucking one leg. Widow Bueno. Widow Bueno, the one-legged doggo. I'm like, Lestat is very, like, he's very independent and he's very on top of his shit. He's, he's a goddamn mess and a half. But, like... He, goddamn psychopath. Can he make it on... But he can make it on his own. I feel like that makes you make it on your own more than anything else. Being a psychopath. But you're not wrong. Doodly doodly do. So one of the things that Anne Rice did incredibly well... That, like, almost nobody does well nowadays, and especially in movies or anything that we fucking watch. I feel like you and I have this argument, not argument, but, like... Loud discussion, because we're both on the same side. Yes, all the time, (laughs) where it's like, okay, nobody gave us about enough facts about what's going on with... Like zombies. your zombies or your vampires or your this and that. You get Answer your thing, and I need to know your rules about how your culture works, and that's really important to me. And the fact that people are like, "Oh, well, you'll just figure it out." No. Like, no, tell me, fucking tell me. And uh, Anne Rice was incredibly good to be like, "No, here, let me tell you about vampire culture and also about like how like facts about vampires. So Anne Rice's vampires, when they cry, they cry tears of blood. Uh, they're capable of reading other people's minds. Uh, they can be destroyed by fire and sunlight. Culturally, no vampire can destroy another vampire except that the coven master has the power of life and death over all of his flock and can destroy people if need be. And then we learn that no vampire shall ever reveal his true nature to a mortal and allow that mortal to live. So those are your vampire fucking rules. There are other ones, but you know. That's like the big one. And also we get like the like, where did vampires come from? Like... How do vampires A bitch comes here and is like, hey, let me tell you about these things. They don't go up because they don't have blood. Exactly. They're not going to fuck you because they cannot have an erect penis. Thank you. There is no blood flow. There's a lot of, like, sexuality and sensuality in everything. But but his dick doesn't get hard from it because it can't. Because there's no blood flow. Because that's impossible. Because, because he's his heart dead. Isn't pumping. He's 
fucking thing. There's no blood in yeah. his veins. It's, it's there, but it's also not doing anything. No. So, backstory to how uh, Anne Rice's vampires and the vampires from the Vampire Chronicles happened. Why are vampires vampires? So, that's all mostly detailed in a little bit of the vampire Lestat, mostly in the Queen of the Damned. So the first vampires appeared in ancient Egypt and their origin connected to spirits which existed before Earth. So Mekar, which is the witch that I talked about earlier, and Maharet, which were uh, twin witches that were living on Mount Carmel, which is a real place, but I'm not sure where it was. Is there a bunch of caramel there? I know, it sounds really yummy. (laughs) (laughs) But they were able to speak to the mischievous and bloodthirsty shade Amel. Uh, Amel grew to uh, love Mekar, becoming her familiar. In time, soldiers sent by Akasha, the queen of Egypt, burned their village and captured the two witches. Coveting their knowledge and power, the queen imprisoned and tortured the witches for some time. This infuriated the spirit of Amel, who began to haunt Akasha's village and her nobles. In time, as Akasha's own treacherous nobleman conspired against her and instigated both her murder and that of her husband, King Ankil, uh, the spirit of Amel infused into her body as she lay dying. The shade's power and bloodlust roused her from her death, reborn as the first immortal. After siring her spouse as well, Akasha and Ankil became known as the Divine Parents. What was the animal of the familiar? Oh, I don't know. No clue. Okay. Let's say a cat. I was thinking, like, maybe some kind of phoenix, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently we're in two different wavelengths with this familiar. What? Okay. So we've got, you've got two witches. Yes, I got that. We're in the familiar. The familiar is, like... A bad person, but it's also best friends with fucking Mekar. Oh, but the familiar is bad. But he's he's bad. Yes. Okay. And then... So, the queen wants their, like, fucking ma- magic knowledge. She imprisons and tortures them. Amel is like, this is goddamn bullshit, and haunts her nobles. Basically, Amel haunts her nobles, has her murdered by her nobles... And then haunts both her and Ankil, her husband's bodies. And that's how we get vampires. Is it much more complicated (laughs) when I explain it? Yes. (laughs) Okay, sure. So the twins that you're talking about, yes, is Maharet and Makar. Wait, are they still alive? Yes. Okay. So the... (laughs) They're alive in Queen of the Damned. So they're so, old as fucking shit. So this queen bitch. Akasha. Was Aaliyah, selfish. Yes. And, and she was like, I would like this knowledge. The twin witches. Mm-hmm. And they made friends with a cool devil who and was like, nah, bitch. The twin witches made friends with this cool familiar mm-hmm. and was like, nah, you tortured us. Fuck you. Yes. And this devil familiar was like, nah, these bitches are my friends, so I'm gonna haunt the fuck out of both of you even though you're both dead and somehow you became vampires. Yeah. I'll make sure so I'll haunt the people that make you dead. 
And then I will haunt you once you're dead. Or basically, okay. But why did... I'll haunt the people who make you dead. Like, I haunted these nobles, and then they murdered you. But... And then once... But the witches are still alive, right? Yes. But he was just like, you you being mean to my witches, so I'm gonna fucking haunt you. It gets... Hold on, because it gets... How did they die? More... They're not dead. Oh, they're not dead. No, but... They do get punished for... I thought they became undead. Isn't that how they became vampires? Oh, the uh, Akasha and Anko? The noble people? So, Akasha, the queen. Yes. Aaliyah. Yes. And her husband, Anko. They're dead, right? Yes. And they're, they're being haunted. So, they're killed by the haunted nobleman. And then they are Who the fuck is the haunted nobleman? It's just some nobleman who Amel is like, I hopped into this dude's body okay. and stabbed the fuck out of you because I'm a dick. Or because you were torturing my friends. Because I'm this person's pet and you were mean to them. And, and, you, and that's fucking That's bullshit. really all I want my dog to do. I just want Ransom to eat someone's face if they're mean to Ransom me. would create vampires for you. I 100% believe that. Like, if that sounds like a lie, it's not. I 1,000% believe that. If he was like, well, I guess I'm going to, like, rouse these people with bloodlust and then make them live forever in, like, this eternal weird torture. <laughs> Here we are. Um, I don't think he's smart enough for that. No. <laughs> he's but, definitely not smart enough for that. But yeah. So, um. But he would try. Uh, Akasha and Ankil get roused from bloodlust and blah 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 by Avel, and that's how they become the first immortals and the first divine parents. And then they go to Maharet uh, and Maycare, and they are like, y'all fucked up, and they tear out Maharet's eyes and Maycare's tongue. Some bullshit! And Amel just sat there and didn't do fucking anything. <laughs> You caused all this. Like, what are you doing, Emma? Why would you make them... You suck at your life. You are you are a bad pet. True. <laughs> and then, uh, so before they were both supposed to be executed, one of the other people who had been sired by Akasha and Ankel made them into vampires. So now they're eternal vampires, just eyeless and tongueless. Shrug. Okay. I would definitely rather be eyeless. That's, I'm not surprised by that literally <laughs> at all. That is the least surprising thing I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. <laughs> Maharet went off and so did my care to go like explore and the uh, king and queen went mute and catatonic after two millennia and they were maintained like statues by elders and priests under the impression that if Akasha, the host of ML, the secret core, died, all vampires would die with her. As years passed, the story of the divine parents were maintained by a few elders, elder vampires, that is, who barely believed it themselves. It was one of those, like, oh, well, I guess we'll keep telling this nursery story, but I guess that's fine. Uh, Despite this, many of the self-made blood gods, vampires from Akasha's earlier progeny, remained entombed in hollowed-out trees or brick cells where they starved. How did they die? So, a lot of the early, early vampires, like, 
you have to, like, really, really starve the absolute fuck out of them or put them in the sunshine for, like, a while before, if they're actually gonna die. And even then, because they're so goddamn old and powerful, it's a shrug. They might not. So... I was just gonna laugh when mythological things a lot of times are like, the older they are, the more powerful they are. And I'm like, when things get old, they die. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes. Or a bit weaker anyways. I would say most of the time, except for, like, I feel like magic is like wine, where it just gets more. As it, it just builds as you get more time to it. So, I feel like it, it makes more sense for something to get more and more powerful mm-hmm. as it gets older. I mean, it can get more frail. That's not, like... But also, if you're getting... Like, that's Akasha turning into, like, some iron, like, beast who, like, you're not gonna fuck with because, like, she's just eternal at this point. In fact, in 1985, she's still around after however many goddamn fucking years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Aww. it's a big goddamn shrug. There was a common era and early in the common era... Basically, over the course of two millennia, they became to be known as legends, as uh, Marius, who is somebody who came before Armand and all of them, and those who must be kept talked about them and just put them in, like, like, they were something that was so old and ancient that it became legend. And Maharet would occasionally come back to her uh, village and uh, she would record down to uh, check on her descendants and stuff like that. They talk about her descendants in Queen of the Damned. So uh, Anne Rice's vampires uh, differ in a lot of different ways. Do you think she ways. chose a name just because her name was Anne? I don't know. We've got Akasha and Armand, but you've also got Lestat and Lewis and McCare and Maharet. What's the fucking familiar's name? Amel. That's is that an A? Yes. I need a I need a fucking I was gonna say I wanna know what everybody's name means now. (laughs) I bet you I bet you anything Anne Rice was one of those people who was like, let me see about this person's name and what it means. Yeah. Because that's important to me because I am a big goddamn nerd. I feel like my brain is fucking Charlie from um, <laughs> Always Sunny on the fucking board. <laughs> Trying to put all these fucking names uh-huh. and people and storylines yeah. together. Here's a fun fact about Anne Rice. So Anne Rice was actually, when she was born, uh, her mom named her Howard after her dad because she thought it was going to get her ahead in life. Uh, And then when she went to kindergarten, she just told everybody her name was Anne and then she changed her name later. Yeah, that's the thing I learned today. So, uh, Anne Rice's vampires, uh, differ in many ways, many ways, many ways, in many ways from their, uh, traditional counterparts, uh, such as Dracula. And I would say, so you've got Dracula and, like, Anne Rice, as far as people who have formed our fucking vampires Mm. for what they are, like, today. If you're getting Dracula through the, like, view of Anne Rice, he's way hotter. (laughs) I just think 
you know, make people hotter. Uh, Always make people hotter. If we have to deal with it. Uh, Anne Rice's vampires are unaffected by crucifixes, garlic, a stake through the heart, or holy water. Uh, ancient immortals are almost completely unaffected by the sun, so people like Akasha or Ankel are at the point where it's just like, I'm too old for this fucking shit to deal with anything. But also, I'm too old to care about giving a shit about things, so I'm probably gonna stay in my tomb. Cool. Um, the key trait to... Sounds tiring. Uh, it does. The key trait of racist vampires is that they are unusually emotional and sensual prone to aesthetic thinking this lends well to artistic pursuits such as painting writing and singing all of which are refined by our uh, their eidetic memory and their heightened beauty so basically they're really hot and they can fucking remember most things which is truly unfair um <laughs> beyond the refined uh, physical features. Rice's vampires are unique in the way that their uh, appearance is more statue-like than human. Their pupils are luminous in the dark, like when you see a cat in the dark or like a possum. <laughs> uh, you're like, oh, some creepy fucking eyeballs. Uh, and their nails appear more like glass. Being undead, their skin is likewise pallid and unusually smooth. Additionally, upon being sired, the vampire's body is uh, essentially frozen in the state in which it died. Their hair and nails cease to grow. If they're cut, they will quickly grow back. The undead possess no bodily fluids other than blood as they are purged following death. Uh, While virtually all other internal bodily functions expire, Rice's vampires still possess a noticeable heartbeat albeit uh, considerably slower than that of a living heart. Obviously, since they don't have a lot of blood unless they are eating regularly. Um, um, um. Um, it's weird that their hair and nails grow back. You just think they wouldn't grow. Yeah. You think if you cut your hair, well, I hope you like it because you stuck mm-hmm. with it. I think it's just like a... It's less a, like, science thing and more like you were eternally stuck as the thing that you chose to be when you died. Wow. You know, mo- I feel like less of her stuff is, like, a scientific thing and more of a, like, existential mm-hmm. look at, like, how it would be to... I'm a very apparently science-minded person. I mean, you're not uh, wrong and unfair there, but, like, also the idea of, like, cutting off all of your hair and waking up with it being the same fucking length. That would help me every time I cut off my hair. That's true. That's good for you. (laughs) (laughs) So they do have a heartbeat. It's really fucking goddamn slow. They have some sort of blood circulation as long as they're like eating regularly and it kind of synchronizes with their fledglings while they're turning them so like when they're it you know our hearts beat together some gay shit like that literally probably gay when vampires enter a state of hibernation their hearts cease to beat and they enter a desiccated state in which their bodies become skeletal and dry from lack of blood flow so for a little while in the vampire Lestat Lestat just pops into a grave and is like I'm depressed I'm just gonna lie here until I'm dead and it doesn't work he doesn't die but also he becomes like gross and grave 
gross and skinny and disgusting and blah, blah, blah. And then he has to eat a bunch of rats. Blood starvation, like I literally just said, uh, can also trigger them becoming this like gross thing. And removing their hearts from their bodies is something that can kill them. Uh, despite the differences between Dracula and uh, racist vampires, they do share some similarities with the mainstream mainstream vampire fiction. Supernaturally strong, can move faster than the eye can see. Uh, their senses are heightened, and they can heal from any injury. Injury, <laughs> any injury short of beheading, even reattached limbs. You gotta pick that fucking shit up and pop it back on, but, like, it'll reattach. The act of feeding is highly sexualized in Rice's novels. Vampires both crave and need blood to sustain their unlife. Uh, while they can feed on animals, human blood is more nourishing. As they age, they're able to resist the urge more to the point where elders can feed only for pleasure if they want to. I don't know how long you have to fucking live to be an elder vampire. You had an age in there. So I assume, okay. and I assume that like because Anne Rice is who she is, that she has some sort of like a chart somewhere in her like fucking computers mm-hmm. that says, okay, these people are elders because they've reached this long, or they've like eaten this many old people, or blah blah blah. You uh, eat a baby, you go right up. <laughs> Like, if you're, if you're gonna, like, <laughs> if you're gonna, like, chomp on Akasha, then you're gonna get that good, good, like, old vintage blood. I don't know that Anne Rice talks a lot about eating babies besides Claudia, who is a child. You uh, ready for that. Uh, that I wasn't. <laughs> my mention of Chris Evans, this podcast. Yep, here we are. We're back on that. So, as with most vampire fiction, all the undead were originally human. To sire a fledgling, a maker must feed upon a victim onto the point of death. They do that, like, I feed upon you and then you drink some of my blood, blah, blah, blah thing. You know, that's, I feel like that's pretty... Typical. Thank you. In, like, the vampire thing. Uh, as their body expires, they must resurrect as a newborn immortal. Fledglings retain all the memories and mannerisms they had in life. However, these usually fade or change over time as they acclimate to their new existence. Which, like, that's pretty fair. That's just living, that regardless is, of whether you are a vampire or not. whether you're breathing or not. <laughs> yep. Uh, many young vampires experience existential crises or crippling I mean, depression as they learn fair. to cope with their isolated nature. Fair. So vampire therapists out there. Her legacy is apparent whenever you or perhaps you're less like sporty teenagers. And this is a quote, which is not me writing about less sporty teenagers. As a person who was a less sporty <laughs> teenager, develop an, a new crush on a new fictional vampire. So you've got any of, like, basically anything that's come out from the fucking 80s with vampires has been influenced by Anne Rice. Buffy and all of that shit. You've got the Lost Boys. The fact that Louisiana has become, like, more of a vampire place instead of Transylvania is an Anne Rice thing because Lewis is from That's fucking right. Louisiana. True and so is... Place. Yeah, exactly. And that is specifically because 
Anne Rice decided that Louisiana was going to be her place for because she was from New Orleans. Also, Anne Rice was one of the first people to suggest that vampires could be fucking cool, which is wild and weird. She took a spent literary and movie genre that was still fixated on creepy Eastern European counts and a Bela Lugosi slickness, which by the 1970s had been diluted by Halloween camp. Um, You know, you've got your fucking monsters, you've got all the, like, Dracula meets Abbott and Costello and all that goddamn fucking shit. Fucking Count Chocula. And imbued it with... Imbued this soullessness with soul. And then, like... Rice, whose side gigs included writing erotica under feathery pen names such as A.N. Rocolaire, also made her bloodsuckers vulnerable and sexy, which is to say that she took the metaphors that were plainly evident in vampire lore and gave them an urgent and even enthralling relevance. And, like, yeah, she made New Orleans a place where it was, like, Also, there's vampires here. This is a thing that was classic. Her descriptions of everything that's happening, but but especially of, like, the French Quarter and, like, how it smells and how it feels and that sort of thing are, like, so rich and, like, it, it, like, feels like you're there even if you've never been there. So good. I have to reread all this goddamn shit and I'm really excited, too. But, yeah, so you've got fucking poor Lewis who is, like, I've kind of a little bit been seduced into vampirism by handsome and very sadistic Lestat. And what is our relationship? Are you my sire? Are you my lover? Are we enemies? It's a big goddamn question mark. It's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Like, I, I ate that goddamn shit up. So in Interview with a Vampire... And Rice was also writing because, uh, so her, she'd lost her young daughter, um, at like six or seven to leukemia and blood cancer, which is leukemia. Okay. <laughs> Not ideal, but I just wanted to hammer down the, the blood part, which like is more, most evident when Lewis creates the vampire daughter, Claudia who now you've got your two dads and a daughter and it's also basically Lestat's being like well what if we have a kid to keep us together and it's like it didn't work and everyone is miserable especially your poor fucking child who is not actually a goddamn child she's a person who keeps growing older but is stuck in a child body yikes (sighs) okay so yeah, Anne Rice and Bram Stoker, th- those are basically our authors who have completely defined what vampire mythology and culture are. Were there stories before these and were there stories that tried that were different? Yeah, but like they weren't as important. Stoker's Dracula was as much a feral creature as the historical figure from whom uh, Stoker borrowed the name, but Rice's characters came from her imagination and had, they were 
significantly more human. They were much more vulnerable. They contemplated existential horrors, averted their lives, eyes when loved ones died, and debated the ethics of nutritional hemoglobin straight from the tap. It's like, how are we supposed to deal with this? We are technically humans who are no longer humans, who have been made into monsters, who are supposed to feed off of our fellow humans. And it's something where we really have to, like, think about it. Interview with the Vampire was originally a 38-page story that Rice wrote uh, late in 1968 through 1969, but she extended it out of grief in 1972 after her five-year-old uh, daughter, Michelle, died. Her tortured uh, personal reality is from is where uh, basically modern vampire art was birthed. And uh, Louisiana, as I kind of also talked about already, is basically Anne Rice's Transylvania. Because she grew up there and knew it really well, it wasn't um, so much that something she had to research, it was something that she always knew. She was very, very actually well known in Louisiana, and she used to have like big Halloween parties where she would come in, and sometimes she would come into book signings in Louisiana in a fucking coffin. And I'm like, I love you so, so extra, fucking much, so extra. I love oh it. my god, I love it so much. But yeah, because of race, uh, Louisiana is now associated with vampires. Uh, Charlene Harris's Southern Vampire Mysteries, which is where True Blood came from, takes place in uh, Bontemp. They say it Bontemps. I can't. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, Louisiana. Basically, they have a lot of like vampire lore there now, mm-hmm. and that is specifically because of Anne Rice, which is yeah. pretty fucking sick. So Anne Rice's vampires weren't the first, like, regretful bloodsuckers. In interviews, Anne herself cites Gloria Holden's ambiguously carnal Countess Maria Zaleska in 1936 Universal Horror Dracula's Daughter as an inspiration. And also Dark Shadows Barnabas Collins went as far to bribe a friendly scientist to try and reverse the process to turn him to undead. And even Dracula in... 1945, as John Carradine went to try and cure uh, vampirism. So, like, that's... It's it's not an abnormal thing for a vampire to be like, oh, this actually sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would like to not be this. To die, to be truly dead, that must be glorious. And that is a quote from some version of Dracula. Not Bram Stoker's, but you know. So Rice's characters thrived on their immortality because it fed their hunger for meaning and tweaked their eternal curiosity. They could ponder their fates, the fates of mankind and beyond and measure. There is just a lot of existential like, what the fuck does any of this goddamn fucking mean? Especially, especially with Lestat. Lestat spends so much time being like, what the fuck? (laughs) But in, like, the most poetic and, like, I'm clearly wearing a poofy fucking shirt way possible. Mm-hmm. At one point, he just says, God kills and so shall we indiscriminately. He takes the riches and the poorest and so shall we. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
uh, morality and immortality make for strange bedfellows. What is acceptable today got you burned at the stake centuries ago. The attitudes of a few years past can cancel your present, which I feel like, like, if you looked at the things that were okay, quote unquote, 10 years ago on TV and watch them now it's like wow this is genuinely horrifying (laughs) yeah yeah and then you think about that but you think about the fact that you have to like continually change your existence as a vampire because you're like okay well the point of what's okay keeps changing and it's not where it was like five years ago and five years to me means very different to five years to everybody else Big goddamn change. To change. Because five years ago should be a lot less time to you than a person. Yes. But it just means that things are changing constantly. Yeah. Like, you can never, like, hold on to something because, like, oh, three minutes ago, which was, like, ten years, but it's actually just three minutes to me because I am a vampire. Because I am a vampire. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's... It's a long goddamn fucking time, but it's also like a blink of an eye. And it's like, oh, well, like now homophobia is really not cool. And it's not a fun joke anymore. If you look at like 20 fucking years ago, that shit like flew real goddamn easily. It was never okay, but it did fly. And like, that's like such a small thing in the like what morality is because obviously being gay has always been fine and to be like okay well now it's finally being perceived as okay by like society i don't know it's just it makes your characters much more rich when they have to like deal with what's actually going on and change and become something new I don't know. So fucking interesting. Uh, also, like, all of Anne Rice's vampires are bi. Because why wouldn't they fucking mm. be? And she was one of the first people who was like, clearly, obviously, this is how this would fucking be. <laughs> like, is everybody a big fucking idiot? If you're an immortal person, why would you give a fuck about this shit? So some of, I've got a couple quotes from Anne Rice, but one of them was somebody uh, in an interview was talking to her and she was like, they were like, uh, your books have appeared on the most a list of most banned books. Why are you so provocative? And she was like, well, I write about transgressive relationships and transgressive behavior as though it was entirely acceptable. My interview with a vampire was attacked because of this in 1976. A prominent New York reviewer attacked it. He said, Anne Rice seems to think that homosexuality is just fine. Well, I do. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, a fucking course. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, mm-hmm. you, you say it seems that way because it's true. It is fine. It's mm-hmm. fucking fine. Yeah. Another thing that she said, which I was like, oh, I love this, um, is that Twilight was, she was like, True Blood's pretty cool, but Twilight is not for me because the idea of vampires going to high school forever seems like hell. Oh, God, yes. Yep. 
Um, and then when she was asked about what do you think of Claudia, the beloved little girl from Interview with a Vampire, um, and why do you think she's endured? Um, and that she said that Claudia is in a way the heart of the Vampire Chronicles because it was the death of her daughter that prompted her to write Interview with a Vampire. Um, which she didn't know at the time, but she figured it out later. I saw that she has a very profound effect on people because Claudia's dilemma, an adult being trapped in a, t- in a child's body, that's a dilemma that many people, many people identify with for other reasons. Gay people identify with that. Women identify with that. I myself feel like I have a soul that has no gender and I'm trapped in the body of a woman that is constantly misunderstood because of that. So thought that was a very interesting quote. So uh, basically Anne Rice caught a genre that was in flux and a culture that was in need and her influence extends to the clubs and underground gatherings of vampire community. You know, basically every person who has ever been like, maybe I could be a vampire, even if you were a dumb seventh grade baby who needed medication. There's a place for you within fucking Anne Rice's books, and it's it's like good, good goddamn shit. So, hard recommend, and also R.I.P. Indeed. Yeah. Also, I'm like desperate to read these new list of books, <laughs> but I also have to read the rest of them first. <laughs> All right, everyone. I think that's it for tonight. I think that is. I think I could probably talk about Anne Rice for another like 15 fucking years, but you know. <laughs> I won't. But if you ever want to, like, talk about vampires and morality. Or yeah. possibly uh, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> or <laughs> Andrew Garfield. It all draws into one you know who bisexual thing. Could have been an incredible Lewis. Andrew Nicole Garfield? Delon. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know who would be an incredible sad bisexual? <laughs> Remake, <laughs> reboot. <laughs> there were well, we've got the witches going. Like it's maybe, true. So it's All time. Right. We deserve a, a new list app. It's time. It's true. Give it's me. true. Gimme. Give, Give me that goddamn shit. Um, Give me that hot vampire bitch. It's true. Alright, everyone. Have a good night. Yeah. It's so late. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which you can rate, review, and subscribe on both of those now, or at yeah. least rate on Spotify. We would super yeah. like appreciate it if you rated us on Spotify. Yeah, and then, of course, always rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're also on the ESO Network and on Podbean. And uh, we'll see you on some Tuesday. Some next Tuesday. Some next Tuesday. And uh, bye. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.